What's up, beautiful people? You are now checked in to Purposeful Rehab. I'm your host, Jajara. Purposeful Rehab is for a people that's determined to be restored for a useful purpose. So if that sounds like it's your vibe, make sure you click subscribe. And I look forward to vibing out with you in our next session. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Jajara, back with another episode. Can y'all believe we are on episode 12 of season two? It is super lit up in this thing. So I want y'all to go ahead and hit that subscribe button because you know we vibing out every single session and you already know we about to just go ahead and jump right into that thing. If you have not already signed up for the free webinar that I'm going to be hosting October 29th at 10 a.m., Pacific Standard Time, which makes it 12 p.m. Central Standard Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you go ahead and hit that link in the bio and or should I say in the description box (laughs) and sign up for the free webinar keys to unlocking your identity. It is going to go down. You do not want to miss this live free webinar. I'm telling you, I'm dropping gems. I know the Holy Spirit is going to be all up and through that thing. And you guys are really going to be able to launch yourself forth into pursuing purpose. So make sure you go ahead and grab your free seat. If you do happen to miss out on that, I am going to make sure it's recorded and you can purchase the course uh, or the webinar, should I say, after the facts. But right now, it is going to be free. After it goes live, then it will be, um, a, a, you'll be able to purchase it. Okay. All right, y'all. So let's go ahead and dive in because today it is going down. I don't know how the sound is going to be. I'm trying something new, y'all. Um, the Lord has been having me come to the library um, to just kind of get some work done. I kind of hit a wall of productivity at home. And I know that, you know, the Lord is doing some amazing things in my life in this season. And so staying the course is super important for me. And so hey, we're trying out the library and the library is supposed to be quiet, but these walls are thin and I know I'm hearing things. So if you guys hear things, then that is what it is um, that you'll be hearing. But prayerfully, we ain't gonna hear nothing. (laughs) Amen. All right, y'all. So this episode is entitled Blindside, Impenetrable Faith. This is so good blindside, impenetrable faith. So we all know when we learn how to drive, that we are taught to look for our blind sides, right? Your mirrors are supposed to help you to see the blind sides, but even your mirrors have a blind side, right? Which is why we have that little, those little words that are written on your mirror that tell you that objects may be closer than they appear, right? There are certain things you may not see in your mirrors because we have blind sides, right? Even with our eyes, we have peripheral vision, but even our eyesight has some blind spots. So we want to tackle the blind spots, the blind side, so that we can have impenetrable faith. And one of the things that the enemy wants to do with our blind sides is attack us with the strategy of fear. And I really want to open it up by talking about that strategy of fear that the enemy utilizes in our blind side. And if we aren't being honest, which is what I'm going to be honing in on in this webinar on Saturday is about us really diving into being honest with ourselves, having true conversations with ourselves, even the hard ones, and constantly practicing truth and honesty so that we can 
identify blind sides so that we don't have them open for the enemy like fear. Because fear is the enemy's playground. If we aren't aware, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So whenever we're dealing and wrestling with fear, which provokes anxiety, it provokes all types of worry, it provokes all types of symptoms that a lot of people are struggling with in the mental health realm and world today because they are wrestling with the spirit of fear and they the world has taught us that it is something we should adapt as a part of us right it's it's a part of a good thing or um something that we should know or um kind of befriend but the bible does not speak that the bible actually tells us that god did not give us that spirit so we are to reject it we are to move in power we are to move in love and have a sound mind fear comes to disrupt your sound mind right so so many people who wrestle with fear they wrestle with um not having a stable mind not having peace in the mind and constantly dealing with mental um, warfare. And so what we want to do is expose the enemy because that can become a blind side if we aren't aware. See, the word tells us that the enemy is walking to and fro the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And, you know, he's not working alone, right? When we get into this word of God, it wasn't just Satan that was thrown out of heaven by himself, right? A third of the angels that wanted to come along with him like yeah we feel what you're saying bro we we with we with that type of smoke let's do this right <laughs> they got thrown out too okay you gonna get it in your in your in your friends okay all y'all finna get this smoke and so it wasn't just Satan, right? He can't run a kingdom by himself. He is not God, though he wants to be like God. He isn't him. So he isn't able to be in all places at one time. So therefore, as he's walking to and fro seeking who he can devour, he has his little minions and demons also doing their things, walking to and fro, collecting data and um, operating and doing what they do to wreak havoc and and um enmity upon the earth okay and so they are able to collect data on you as well the enemy doesn't know what you're thinking like god he doesn't see your heart like the father but he can study your actions come on somebody he can study your actions he can study your patterns and imagine how much we find out by data collecting okay when we go on these dates what are we doing Okay, y'all don't know what y'all be playing out there like y'all not dating. <laughs> when you go on these dates, what are you doing? You're data collecting, right? You're talking to your friends. You're like, yeah, this is what they said, yada, yada, yada. But then I seen this and then I seen that. So I'm, I'm going to keep watching, right? So we're watching their movements. We're watching how they carry themselves. We're watching how they interact with their parents. We're watching how they interact with their friends. We're watching how they have a work ethic or a lack thereof. We're watching them along with collecting data from what they're saying. We're hearing their words. We're hearing what they're speaking. We're hearing, hallelujah, what they're putting out there along with watching their patterns and their activities. And as we collect that data, 
we begin to learn how to move, right? And some people are powered by Satan or should I say demonic spirits. And so they will do exactly that as well. They'll watch your social media. They'll watch what you're doing. They'll watch what you're putting out there. And then they can approach you and they can give back to you based off of the data they collected. So if they know, oh yeah, She's a, you know, a wholesome girl, supposedly, but I seen her post that backside picture. I seen, you know, the seduction in the trap when she goes out with her girls every now and then. And I can see she had a cocktail, but she she posts about God and she says that she's celibate and abstinent. But I know that she also likes bad boys. I know that she likes to listen to yada yada Chris Brown or something, right? And so let's say this person has been collecting these pieces of your activity. Amen. I didn't even say he talked to you. I said he just collecting these pieces. So then now he wants to hit you up in your DM. And he hitting you up on, oh, you like that song too? He replying to your story. You didn't, you got Chris Brown or somebody playing in the background, Beyonce. I don't know. You got one of them playing in the background. Oh, you like that song too? Then now y'all starting a little conversation like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's lit. And he's like, oh, you know, you're very beautiful, right? He's going to hit you with these nice soft words because he's like, okay, I have to approach her like a lady because that's what she, you know, that's what she'll respond to. I can tell that's what she's looking for, right? And didn't say that he feels you're that way, but he's going based off of your activity on how he can get in, right? And that is how the enemy moves. And so now you're smitten. You're like, oh, right? Oh, yes. Same with men, right? This is not just for women, right? A woman, at this point, they got them spirits too on them, right? Spirits don't have a gender. They attach themselves to men or women, okay? And they'll move and operate in the same exact way. And so we see a lot of women doing the same thing as well because they've opened themselves up in this way as well. And so, you know, here they are watching. Oh, he like, okay, he this, he that. Okay, but I bet, I bet, because that's the enemy. I bet I can get them to do opposite. That's how the enemy acts. That's how he thinks. I bet I can get them to do opposite. We go back to the Garden of Eden. The whole purpose, I bet you I can get her to do the opposite of what the word of the Lord is. I bet I can get her to doubt the word. I bet I can get her to eat of this, this fruit that the Lord told her not to and believe that what he said is not what he, what the truth, that there is actually a lie somewhere in there. And so that's how the enemy works. I bet I can get him to, you know, take me out and wine and dine me and be wrapped around my finger. So she, she may slide in your DM and she may, you know, do the same thing. Like, oh, I, you know, I, I, you know, you, you are so handsome. I love your work ethic. You know, I love how you, you know, I love how you work hard. And you know what I'm saying? Your new your new song you just dropped or, you know, your new workout you just dropped. I just tried that. And, you know, she might send you a little picture, a little video, you know, having on some nice and cute little workout outfit in, you know, I just tried that little workout, you know, uh, routine you dropped and it was amazing. Right. And now you, now she didn't drop the thirst trap in there. And, but she did real classy like it. So you like, oh, shoot, she might be, she might be it. Meanwhile, <laughs> they've been studying <laughs> your activity. So everything they needed, oh, they like to work out. Okay. Oh, 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 they like, they like, they like um a, a woman that knows what they want, but, but they want her to be classy. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm gonna come at them like this. 
I'm, I'm not gonna be too overt. I'm gonna come like this, or she likes this. She likes all these there. So I'm gonna come with these pieces that I've observed through watching, through data gathering, and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna find that blind side, and I'm gonna be able to operate. And that blind side may not be necessarily the attraction because we are created with attraction to certain things, but the blind side could be fear of being alone, right? You could fear being alone, fear being on your own and by yourself and fear of missing out on all the things you see social media people are enduring and having like vacations and weddings and all these things. And so you're like, you're secretly having this fear of missing out, having children, right? A lot of women, you hear them talking about their age and how all the biological clock is ticking. But when you come into Christ, that is a fear deficit mindset, y'all. A fear deficit mindset. Here I am, 28, okay? Still, still fairly young, but I'm approaching 30, right? I have people that are around my age that are already feeling like, oh, biological clock is ticking. I ain't think about none of that. Y'all hear me? <laughs> I am actually praying the opposite, okay? Lord Jesus. <laughs> First the man, okay? And, and then let, let me let me just take a step at a time, Jesus. Like, like, can we pause on the children for a little bit, you know? I am not in a rush, right? Why? It's because I know that everything has its perfect timing. And if God has called me to be a mother, even with me praying that it, there's a hold off, if God has called me to be a mother and then he like, hey, it's gonna happen with Jen. First six months of you being married, it's gonna happen because he said so. It won't matter if I get married at 35, if I get married at 40, if the Lord is calling me to be the mother, I'm going to be a mother because he is in control of my womb, right? And that is a kingdom mindset, but we have to come out of the world culture mindset who, who has developed a science. Come on, somebody. And science is only supposed to help us further understand what God has created, but not for it to be our God. Oh my Lord, I wasn't even trying to go here, but the Holy Spirit must be on some. Okay, we became we came to a place where we idolize science and put it over God. And science has become our God when science is limited. It is only limited to what you know, which is why science is ever evolving. And science is also flawed because our our knowledge is limited because we did not create all things. So hallelujah, what we begin to understand is going to have limits to it. And so now science is constantly, constantly evolving. They're constantly going back from what, oh, I knew, we thought we knew this, but this is actually this. And, and it's constantly evolving because guess what? They're studying the creator. They're studying him. And you can't study him without inviting him in. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to change his name and 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 not invite him into the conversation and into the equation. And so they're ending up with incomplete equations. And now as human beings, we want to adopt incomplete equations as our God. That doesn't make sense. Why not invite the Lord of the Lords to be the one who you allow to be Lord over everything? So I don't know if that was a word for someone because I know infertility in this generation is really big. And it, it, I, a lot of it, I believe, has to do with generational curses and different things that have not been broken um, off the bloodline. Um, you know, just things that people have spoken, right? Um, and 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 that may, the enemy may be still operating in different areas um, because, you know, I'm not saying that every, every person has some sort of sin in their life and so they're experiencing these things because they could be upright. They could be walking upright with God, but there may be something on the bloodline that has not been addressed. There may be witches. There may be all, 
like we when we begin to really understand the principles of the kingdoms that are operating, then we will understand how to war against them. But that's a whole nother conversation. But whoever that is for or who may be dealing with infertility, put it in God's hands, put it in his hands. If it's meant for you to have a child, you will have it in due time. But you have to have full faith in that area. You can't be divided trying to do it your own way because we have so many ways now where we want to put God's name on it and say, oh, this is God, IVF, this is God. This is, I'm not saying it is, it's not saying it's not, but I'm just saying like, God don't need no help for real. We just have to really trust him, right? And I don't know what my journey is going to look like when I get there. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying that, I'm not being insensitive either because I, I, have a level of understanding of how tough that can be. But, you know, like any situation, we have to be aware of our blind spots, our blind spots, right? So even if you were using infertility, man and woman, because that affects a man too, right? He may not be the one carrying it, but if he has when he says he loves someone and that's the woman he sees himself having a child with, he's, if he's a good man, he's not sitting here just thinking like, well, she can't have a child. I'm out. I can go have a child with somebody else. Like now he's affected too, because he's seen himself having children with you. And now the reality is you two may not have a child, right? So both of you are affected by this. So don't allow the enemy to have a foothold in your marriage because there is this item of not having, again, this is the strategy of the enemy. Where can I get in? The fear of not having a child, the fear of not being able to give a child to my husband, the fear of not, you know, building a family, the fear of not having what I think should be a complete home, right? So now my home isn't complete because I don't have a child, right? There's all these different ideologies and blind spots that have not, um, submitted to God, even once we become aware of them, right? Because sometimes it takes a situation for us to know that that was there. But what do you do with it once you're aware, right? We have to submit it back to God because it is definitely a place where the enemy wants to give us that spirit of fear instantly. Spirit of fear, if you know, right away, if we deal with a miscarriage, spirit of fear right away, if we deal with, and I don't know why I'm talking about, you know, conception so much right now. So I don't know who this is for, but I pray that, you know, you receive it. I pray in the name of Jesus, just over your womb, that things begin to open up in the name of the father and that you begin to have a shift in your heart and your mind. And that whatever he wants you to learn in this moment as a family, that there is a breaking forth and that there is a newness of understanding and knowledge, oh God, and that there was shall not be any contamination of your oil. There should not be any contamination, oh God, of what he has put in you spiritual, in your spiritual womb and your natural womb, but God will have his way and get the glory over your life. And I just want to say that in Jesus' name, um, amen. And, and I want us to be aware of how the spirit of fear works so easily, so easily. You lose your job, spirit of fear wants to come. With me a couple months ago, I think I've shared this already, but you know, when I was, before I even lost my job, the Lord addressed the spirit of fear. <laughs> and I love the Father. I love the Father. Thank you so much, Abba. Because in this moment, 
I realized that I've had to, the spirit of fear, the reason why I haven't had to deal with it like I normally would have. And I've been like wondering like, man, this is crazy. I almost feel a little bit crazy because of how I've been handling this season. But in this moment of recording, I realized the spirit of fear was addressed in this in the supernatural so that it never even reached me in the natural. That's how amazing God is. When he, he went ahead of time and showed me I was going to lose my job and showed me having this spirit of fear and snatching it immediately and replacing it back with power, love, and a sound mind. He instantly challenged me in the area of faith, right? So think of that. When we have fear, it's because we lack faith, right? Think of Peter and the boat and the disciples with the wind. He said, oh, ye of little faith. Why? They were fearing. They were fearing the wind blowing. They were fearing that they would die. So that indicated what? a lack of faith, feeding the, the, the people. There was a fear there. How will we do this? Oh my gosh, we don't have enough. Da, 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 da. Oh, we forgot this. Oh, you little, you faithless generation. How much longer shall I be with you? Fear eats at our faith. We can't have impenetrable faith if fear is operating. And that's why the spirit of fear is lurking to find a way in. And that's why the enemy wants to use that as a strategy to get in. What are those areas? Let's look at Job. Okay. We look at Job. The enemy was aware of the hedge of protection he had around him. Why? <laughs> because when he came before God and, and, and God addressed him in the court, the father addressed him in the court, he told him that he had been walking the earth to and fro. That's where we get that from. He told him, I've been walking the earth to and fro. Okay. And he was seeking whom he can devour. And he stumbled upon Job. He's seen in the supernatural. He's seen in the spiritual, right? Because he's a fallen angel. So he's seen this hedge of protection around Job. So he's studying Job. He's studying him, praying for his children every day and, and doing the sacrifices for his children every day and laboring before God and, and, and caring for all these people and his things and all. And he sees the hedge of protection around everything he has. And so Job was like, hmm, if he's spending this much time praying about his children, sacrificing for his children, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that, I bet you if he loses it all, he will curse God. I bet you that's the loophole. I, I bet you that, that if I get him there, that there's a, I bet you I can instill a spirit of fear once he starts losing it all that will cause him to curse God. It will weaken his faith. It will weaken his faith, right? And we see, we see that the Bible talks about a foothold, right? It talks about it in Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 through 27. And I used to think it was a foothold, but it's actually a foothold, hold, something having a hold on you, a foothold. Imagine someone grabbing a hold of your foot, right? And so I looked up the definition. And when you look up the definition of a foothold, defined by Oxford, is defined as a place where a person's foot can be lodged to support them securely, especially while climbing. Okay. The second definition, the second part of the definition is a secure position from which further progress may be made. Y'all, this is good. This is good. So when you define a foothold in context, let's look at Ephesians chapter four, 
verse 26 to 27, where this verse is talking about not just being angry, but when you read um, this verse is talking about being angry, but I mean, that chapter, when you look at chapter four, it's actually talking about not when you get into that space um, around 25, verse 25 and on, it's talking about not grieving the Holy Spirit through lying, through angry spirit, through, you know, stealing. It's just talking about all the different things that you need to turn away from. Um, and these are all areas that you can give a foothold to the enemy. And the specific verse says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. That's the NKJV. Now the NLT says it like this, and do not sin by letting anger control you. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So when we look at it in context, he says, and sin and, and sin not, right? And do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a place where a person's foot can be lashed to support them securely, especially while climbing. It gives a secure position from which further progress may be made to the devil. Listen, y'all, I'm about to shout up in this library. They're gonna be looking like, what's wrong with the girl? And um, as, as, as I got the Holy Spirit, okay? When you put in the definition, it is literally telling us that you are giving a secure position for which the devil can further make progress. Oh my God. You are literally putting up, a, you are giving the enemy a secure position for him to make further progress in climbing. Okay, in climbing, he's not staying in one position, he's climbing. So when he get that one little area, now he's going to progress to another area and another area and another. And this is how people find themselves completely back in the world or completely hard hearted or completely, you know, um, in, in complete anger, unforgiveness, murder. Right. We all didn't see snapped. Okay. If you haven't, then, you know, Snapped as a show was about those who snapped. They went from just people that they knew, you know, their neighbors, oh, they were so nice, you know, their family, oh, they were great, da, 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 da. And they knew them as just being cool. And then one day they snapped and they're killing people or they're doing these just crazy things. Why? They gave a foothold to the enemy. It didn't just start there. It started at a different place. And the enemy had now a secure position, which they were able that he was able to continue to make further progress, more progress, which led to what the outer person may see as murder or may see as something extreme, right? Where they snap, where they lose their mind, or or they're on drugs, or you know, whatever it may be. It's because there was a secure position, y'all, given to the enemy because there was a blind spot. That we did not, oh my Lord, cover that we may have impenetrable faith. I really pray that y'all are, are receiving and understanding this word because it is so good. And so when we look at the songs of Solomon verses uh, chapter two, verse 15, and you know, I, I really never seen it for myself. I've only heard it preached in, in different contexts, but as I seen it for myself and the Lord began to minister to me and helping me to understand, because when you read it in context, it's not talking about, um, the foxes spoiling the vine in the matter of the enemy, but the Lord began to minister to me on how 
people have put the two together and how it does flow together. And it is biblical, right? So in Songs of Solomon, chapter two, verse 15, it says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes. That's the NKJV, right? And when we're talking about catching the little foxes and you hear people preach about the little foxes spoiling the vine and that being equated to the enemy, it is because we know that the enemy has been used in the Bible as one who comes in the middle of the night, you know, and he's trying to mess up your, 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 your weeds and he's trying to plant, I mean, he's trying to plant weeds among your weeds. And so you don't even realize that he has been there. Right. And so we also know that the Lord, he himself has identified himself as the true vine. And metaphorically, he tells us to stay connected to the vine and the, and the father is the vine dresser. And so who else would be the little fox that spoils the vine? The one who gets the little foothold and does what he does. It would be the devil. It would be the enemy. And so that's how the two ties together that we have to watch out for the little foxes. We have to catch them because they will spoil the vine. It will spoil you being connect, which you're connected to, which is Jesus, which is Yeshua, which is what he is feeding to you. It will spoil the love with anger. It will spoil the, the forgiveness with unforgiveness. It will spoil the right-minded with the, the sound mind with fear. It will spoil, right? Your obedience with disobedience and, and stubbornness. It will spoil, hallelujah, you with all types of things. And your vine will then be ruined. And so that was what the enemy was trying to do with Job. When we get back to Job, he was trying to find a foothold on Job that he can spoil Job's righteous standing with God. That's what he was trying to do. So he is, here he is. He, Satan has devised a plan based on fear and loss. And he's thinking, if I could, if I could cause Job to experience loss, it will, it will equal fear and will make him curse God. And he will then, God will see that I was right. I will make his righteous servant be unrighteous. Satan thought that Job feared the loss of these things and these people more than he feared the Lord. That's what he thought. But what Job's story demonstrates to us is what it looks like to have impenetrable faith. My God, I'm trying not to jump out this chair, y'all. I think I might have to stand up or something because I'm about to go crazy. This is what Job's story teaches us, okay? It teaches us many things, but it teaches us how to have impenetrable faith. God already knew. He already knew that Job was righteous because he offered Job. He said, have you tried my Job servant? He is the most righteous one above. Like he, he offered him up on a platter because he knew that Job would stand the test. But now it was up to Job through relationship with the Lord to withstand through impenetrable faith. And it built their relationship too, because Job had to have some hard conversations with the Lord and the Lord had to check Job. But that's a relationship. <laughs> And it shows us what impenetrable faith looks like. He's all his children died. He lost all his livestock, all his, his income, all his family, all of his, his home. He lost everything he owned. His, his friends began to, to question his, his character and whom he was. Right in his lowest moments, his friends began to question him and who he was in his character. 
His wife turned her back on him, told him to curse God and to die while his his health is ailing him instead of encouraging him and praying with him and, and saying, God is going to bring you through this and I'm with you through sickness and health. Come on. Instead of owning up to those vows, she told him to curse God and to die. Not just curse God, which is bad enough, but then you want him to die after it? Curse God and die? You don't even care about your husband living. You don't even care about his life. So he's enduring all of these things. He's enduring immense loss. But never do we see him fear. We never see him fear. We never see him fear. If anything, he has fear of the Lord. He's constantly crying out to God, hoping and praying, God, if I did anything, if there's anything I did, Lord, I, I, I was righteous before you, right? His fear is only of the Lord. And fear of the Lord isn't like a necessarily, I'm so scared of God, I'm shaking in my boots, right? Like I'm scared I'm going to hell type of just fear, right? It's a reverence. It's a reverential fear. Yes, it's a fear from a place of, I know what you can do, but his love doesn't allow us to have fear like, um, oh, oh my Lord, I, I fear being chastised. I fear the punishment. No, it's a, I, I fear not being with you. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a reverence. It's a, I don't want to be without you, God. The thought of not being in your presence, the thought of not being righteous before you, the thought of not being just what you need me to be, what you created me to be. My Lord, I can't live with that. I fear that that kind of fear is righteous. Because it keeps us so close to the father that the enemy can't touch us. Oh, my Lord. It keeps us so, he may touch. Listen, when I say touch us, right, I'm not talking about from a physical place because God allowed him to touch everything but not his life. And that's what I mean. He can't touch you. He cannot take your life. He cannot take your soul. And even within all that Job lost, God's hand was still upon his life, period. It was upon his life. The enemy only had a certain amount of power, which God gave. Job didn't lose his mind. Why? Because the sound mind was, was God's hand still there, right? Because he still believed. He still had impenetrable faith, right? I even thought about Abraham, how he gets his son and the Lord now is like, sacrifice him. What? How does he not lose his mind? How does he not doubt? How does he not have fear? Because his fear of the Lord is greater than anything else, right? And so I want us to, to look at um, a couple more and I'm gonna jump off of here, close this out with you guys. But John chapter 14, verse 30, the Lord says in the NKJV, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Let's look at what the NLT breaks it down to say. I don't have much more to talk, much more time. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. So although Yeshua knew that there was painful things coming his way, he knew he was going to lose his life. He knew he was going to be beaten and stripped. And he was a prophet to know, to, to see and handle that 
this is what's coming your way. But fear did not grip him and did not have him because he had power, love, and a sound mind, which was of the father. And so even though the enemy was coming for him, the enemy wasn't going to find a foothold in a foothold in him. The enemy wasn't going to find anything in him. Every blind spot side that may have been there was no longer there because it had been submitted into the father's hands. So the enemy no longer could work, could no longer have his way. There was nothing, nothing, nothing that he could find in him because guess what? God knew he had no power over him. And when we begin to understand that the, that the enemy has no power over us, we operate at a much higher level that we are meant to operate at. The blind spots and sides are no longer blind because they are covered in the spirit. The Lord will reveal before the enemy can even touch it and you can submit it before the enemy can even get a hold of it. You will con constantly make sure that you're submitting yourself before the Lord, not leaving areas for the enemy to find holds like lying, like stealing, like um, anger, like the simple things. You won't allow these footholds to be there because you know the, the enemy cannot have anything in you. He will not have any power over you. And what's so interesting about when I was looking at John 14, 30 is right after verse 31, it goes on to talk about Yeshua was telling them that he is the one true vine and that the father is the vine dresser. And it was just so beautiful and amazing to see how the Lord brings together his word that he has for his people because he is the truth. He is the only way. He is our life, our light. And we just need to really open our eyes and get serious about this thing. And so I want to ask you, if the enemy uses the one thing you fear right now because you refuse to, to submit that fear, if he used that as his strategy against you, be honest. Would it cause you to curse God or fall away from God? And, and when we have those moments where we blame God, it's, it's not cursing him, but it's in the category. God, how could you do this to me? How could you take this? How could you allow this? How could you, when we get into that space, that is the foothold the enemy wants. Yes, I got them. I got them. And then he just keeps feeding you in that space so that he can climb up and continue to rise in his secure position in your heart. I want us to end with 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. I'm going to read the NKJV. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strain, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. This is telling us. that we must be aware of people who teach doctrine 
that causes disputes instead of godly edification in our faith. Because our faith being impenetrable is what's important. Now, I'm not saying that we be closed-minded to growing in correct doctrine, right? Because there's no way you can go from drinking milk to drinking to eating meat if you're not growing in the word of God and understanding in the word of God. And that comes from conversation that may come from challenging certain ideologies that we may have in our mind so that God can change them. But giving heed to fables and endless genealogies or as the NLT version said, I think it was like, um, let me see if I can pull it up quick. It basically was saying, um, giving heed to, you know, just spooky, just things that are not, let me see. First Timothy, when I say three and seven, that are contrary to the truth, right? Um, it says endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees, right? Things that only lead to meaningless speculation, which don't help people live a life full of faith in God. So we could talk about things that are that are myths and spiritual pedigrees but how is that going to help people live a life of faith in God how is that going to help you see the father in your day to day how is it going to help you to grow in relationship with him and see that he cares about your daily bread he cares about what you that the cares of your heart what what may keep you up and he cares about those moments how is it going to edify your faith in that and if people are are teaching things or speaking on things that are contrary to the truth and helping you to do that, remove yourself, get out of that place. Cause it's warning. If this is the exact warning against false teachings, you will know them by their fruit. And our goal is to protect all blind sides and not create them because our goal is to have impenetrable faith. Abraham is a father of faith because he had impenetrable faith. My God. Impenetrable faith. So I urge you today to check your blind spots and the ones that you know of, starting with the area of fear, submit them to God today in prayer. Meditate on the scripture, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I guarantee you it'll change your life. I guarantee you it'll change your life. Meditate on that thing. Submit it to God and meditate on that scripture and allow God to take you through the healing or take you through the the process of undoing what is required to take those blind spots and make them be covered by by the one that can cover all things. And and tap into your impenetrable faith. All right, y'all. That's all I have. I pray that you receive this word and that it's good to your spirit. I love y'all. I'll catch y'all on the next one. Peace. Hey, beautiful people. Thanks for tuning in. Did you enjoy that episode? Well, you don't want to miss a new one. So make sure that you hit subscribe so you can get notified every time we drop a new episode. And if you're really feeling bold, share this episode with a friend and leave us a comment below. Stay blessed and encouraged. I'll see you in the next episode.